What's the best meal you've ever had? The best meal I ever had? Oh man, I had this like salmon taco. I had this in December. I don't, it was like one of the best meals I ever had. Uh, obviously ask me, but um, it was like salmon. It was like a taco, but like not really a taco. It was like, I don't know if you ever had like an Indian taco. It's like, with like fry bread. Fry bread's like on the base, um, which is like, it's basically like a donut, but like a savory donut um, that's like deep fried dough and like the toppings of a taco, but like it had salmon in it like salmon cheese, like salmon cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, and some sort of like special mayo and like this nice wild salmon. And I was like in, I was in Merit. I was like making a documentary uh, about a, about an ultra runner, actually, a kid, I think it was like 19 or 20. He was about to run on a marathon and we documented his, his second chance at a uh, second time trying to run a hundred miles straight but he did it he ran 100 miles in 36 hours but in between that i had this taco i was like waiting for him to like it was 36 hours long we were like following him with a car and like going past him we were like i was just like eating this taco it was like the best thing i've ever had <laughs> in in merit if you're ever in merit like there's a i can't remember what it's called uh i'm just thinking about how there's gonna be a sub documentary about uh <laughs> Shooting yeah. a documentary and eating <laughs> eating a salmon taco. <laughs> yeah, it's called like Kekuli Cafe in Merritt, if you're ever there. Also, the, the bannock was, uh, the fry bread was so, so good. It's if awesome. If you're ever there, <laughs> best, no, that's great. best uh, thing I've ever had. Well, that's, that's awesome. I I know uh, I've, I know an ultra marathon guy here and uh, yeah, superhuman beings. But I, I would also, if I were hanging out with him, uh, be concentrating on sandwiches because uh, I cannot run a hundred miles. <laughs> Hi there, my name is David Young, and I've built this podcast for all of us photographers looking for some extra inspiration. Every Friday, I interview local photographers about the how and the why behind their projects, and at the end of each episode, I add a thought or a challenge for both of us to consider as we continue our pursuit of awesome photography. You can help me keep this project growing by sharing this podcast with your photo-loving friends and by subscribing and leaving a review or a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Ultimately, the goal is to stir up conversation and thoughtfulness about photography as a practice, and I wanted to start each episode with a thank you. Your attention and focus on these artists and these conversations help the community at large keep growing. So, without further ado, welcome to My Viewfinder. My Viewfinder is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network is a program to support Albertan podcasts by connecting us with local businesses and initiatives to keep our stories and our interests at the fore. If you're interested in finding more Albertan podcast content in a wide range of topics, check out their website, albertapodcastnetwork.com, or you can connect with them over social media. They are at albertapodnet on both Instagram and Twitter. This episode is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Everyone wants to feel a sense of belonging. Now, more than ever, we are united by a desire to take action and help others by creating a community built on kindness and compassion. 
From small creative projects to larger citizen-led initiatives, the Calgary Foundation provides grassroots grants to encourage and support people who want to create and strengthen bonds between neighbors and communities. If you've got an idea to improve, enhance, or revitalize your community or neighborhood, visit calgaryfoundation.org to find out more about the Foundation's grant opportunities and visit the Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. This week, I sit down with Solomon Chinke. I met Solomon when we were both selected as part of the inaugural Mount Royal University Photography Exhibition. His work at that show really grabbed a hold of me. It was a window into the experience of some First Nations people. As a migrant from Toronto, where, at least in my experience, the city is not nearly as connected to reparation as we seem to be here in Calgary, I was struck by the access and the humanity of those photos. So now we get to meet finally, albeit over Zoom, several years later, and I get to learn where he is, how he came to be here, and how he keeps building upon his life experience to tell not just his stories, but the stories of his community and so many communities like his. Just because, uh, you know, as much as we've sort of crossed paths, it's not like we've sat down and hung out at all, so I don't know enough about you, Solomon. <laughs> Yeah, I have a photo degree. I'm, I grew up on a reserve. I grew up really, really poor. Uh, uh, my mom provides for um, like seven or eight families. She's the only one in our family that has like degree and like our quote unquote real job. Uh, she like provides for my grandmother and like, well, I also have a degree, sorry. But uh, my my mom's like, has like a real government job and she like take care, takes care of uh, my family and many others like immediate family, like financially. But yeah, that's just kind of about me where I grew up and, I, and kind of grew up on like a farm. My grandfather raised uh, horses and was a carver and he made artwork uh, in the woods. <laughs> so we had a, a group around horses a lot, cattle and things like that, like wildlife. That's a little bit like short history on me, I guess, <laughs> of where I grew up. And uh, yeah, I went to school in Vancouver and currently working in film um, uh, sometimes, not mostly. <laughs> it's interesting about the formative experiences and then how they play into your art. So maybe, I, you know, coming out of this situation, not just growing up on a reserve, but seven families leaning on one income and um, wildlife and art, um, how does that evolve into deciding to study photography? <laughs> so, you know, without, yeah, we don't have to go into the day-to-day -day nuance, I suppose, but were you always interested in building something creative or was it something that was an opportunity that came up for you? Or, um, yeah, how, how, I suppose, did you become a photographer? Um, I think I gravitated towards photography and it's in the way that it was like learnable, if this makes sense, like um, mechanically, I guess, learnable that way. And I, my brain is very much like, uh, like I very much did well with photography and the uh, technicality of it because it was like, I could learn how to do like tricks and like what have you and learn like the, the science of like optics. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like really, I don't know much. I, I, I say that, but I, I'm not a scientist. So I don't, I don't know much about that stuff. It's just, it semi interests me. And I know some about it vaguely. Uh, but uh, I grew up around musicians and painters and carvers and like I was not good at any of that. <laughs> and, 
So like my dad was a painter and my mom was worked with textiles and uh, screen printing and sculpture and beading, uh, a lot of things. And I was not good at most of those. And my uncle gave me a camera and we started making films. And uh, I really, like we made like horror films um, when we were kids. <laughs> but uh, when I was like 14 and then I uh, hung around skateboarders and they're all like into like, like I was the worst skateboarder. So uh, I would film everybody and I would always like break my bones. So I couldn't even skate that much anyway. Uh, so <laughs> that's how I gravitated towards photography was through my lack of creativity, if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, like I, I think I'm all right right now, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe you were more looking for a medium to express self in. <laughs> I, I yeah, mean, I exploring. Yeah, I wouldn't say that you're not creative, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so when you go to school, I, I, I understand this idea of mechanics and I, I was going to quip a little bit that, yeah, we love lenses, but we're not out to engineer new ones. So. Yeah, when I see like a cross section of a lens, I'm like, holy shit, how does, you know, who, who invents this stuff? But it is neat. But yeah, that's for scientists. But, you know, when you're going to school and you're learning and developing, you know, what is it about, you have a, I mean, I, are you shooting exclusively black and white film still? Or like, I can't, I'm not on social media, so I don't know what projects you're on. I mean, I bought your book, uh, which was black and white uh, photographs. I think it's a collection, right? I have it somewhere, but... That's a cool book. And whoever designed the layout, did you do the layout for that too? Yeah, I did. Pretty slick. So uh, very creative. Um, I'll give you that credit. What is it, you know, what's the development process of photography for you? Like, do you think looking back that, um, you know, what does it take for you to make the photographs that you make? It's uh, So for example, I, I interviewed Tyler and he also comes from sort of a skateboarding aesthetic. So there's correlation i think with you know streets or greatness getting on the ground being part of an environment and actually now that you brought it up i do feel like i i feel that in your work uh, would like would you consider yourself almost documentarian or a street photographer or is there more of a art vibe and a representational vibe or like how would you describe yourself and your work um i think i guess documentary uh documentarian i think that a lot all my work is uh, based around documentary and that's primarily what I focus on. I do do other things, but those are like private. When it comes to producing works, I tend to focus on, or not necessarily focus, I just tend to shoot all the time and make sense of it later. If anything makes me feel something or like like anything, any sort of remote feeling of anything, I will take a photo if I am given the chance. And a lot of my um, exhibitions and photo books and things have been around, uh, or I made one photo book. I made like a little zine before, but that was like for school. I try to focus around, or I, I try to not focus and then try to just shoot and then think of it later. And I primarily do use black and white photography, uh, black and white film. Sorry, let me rephrase that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me rephrase that. Uh, so. Can you ask me that question again? Uh, I don't, uh, can I? That's a good question. Uh, I think the shortest thing was, uh, yeah, would you describe yourself as a documentarian photographer? And I will add on, having heard part of your answer, you know, how intentional is the narrative building? So when you're telling these stories, so it sounds like you take 
photographs essentially maybe every day or all the time, but you're coming back to them. So yeah, you're in the environment, you're impelled or compelled to take a picture. It sounds like intuitively or emotionally, but sometimes I hear these documentarian or journalistic people, they almost sound like they have an intent before they enter into a project. So um, yeah, where do you kind of see yourself on that spectrum? Yeah, I do consider myself a documentary photographer and there is some intent to my photographs, uh, although I try to be more emotional uh, or reactionary to how I feel about a situation. The intent of my photos are a lot largely based around, I have a lot like a lot of feelings about like colonialism and uh, I, I, how I don't like it and obviously not good. And just documenting Canada, like as a whole, as a, um, I don't like, I don't like, I don't even like the word Canada uh, or <laughs> it as a concept, but um, obviously it's real and it's like, we are, we're living here and it, it, we're governed by it and the laws that are here. But um, there is some intention to like, I try to go to like, I mean, I guess anywhere is like, I try to go to like reserves a lot um, and like, uh, document those places however I see them and also I like to document rural towns and uh, cityscapes uh, I have a lot of like emotions around Calgary as a place and um, I love documenting Calgary and the surrounding reserves around there uh, not all of them are like I'm not from most of those places as a community person like I'm not uh, Blackfoot I'm not Cree I'm not Dene I'm Nakota and I can only speak from my Nakota lived experience in documenting in Alberta, but there, there is a bit of intention to like, I'm trying to go in a direction of documenting these places because a lot of these, a lot of documentation of native people and the history of like photography, documentary photography has been very um, colonial and very sort of from this place of objectivity and I, I don't think anyone is ob objective but sorry I'm trying to like I'm like trying to get this huge idea in words but like uh it, it a lot of my photographs are random but once I sequence them that's where they become they make they are made sense of in my head and in the way I publish and show work but I like to just document so like all the time yeah I don't know I just I just love taking photos all the time and uh, a lot of times they come out uh, very very sad and very um, dark um, in the things that I show like actually publish or uh, some of the exhibitions and books I the book I published yeah no I I think it, I think the concept came out I mean there's a lot of uh, pieces there you know uh, I think first and foremost the idea of representation I mean it's such a hot topic in general these days because each it feels like each day we're becoming more and more aware of the so-called colonial lens of just how every image has been appropriated or seen through let's say a, a white male lens for the most part upper class whatever but you also brought up you know this idea of both wanting to tell an authentic story from within but also how um, between different peoples there's still a separation so you know the colonial idea is that all 
yeah, Native or First Nations people are exactly the same. And that's impossible. Uh, but that is one of those lies. You know, it's like every every subculture, like all African-Americans are the same type of people. All Asians are the same type. It's, it gets uh, exhausting. So there's so much nuance. Uh, going from a lived-in experience for you growing up in that uh, condition, in that situation, and wanting to explain to... I mean, who's the audience? Is it... Yeah. Are we trying to push back against people making those other photos or is it to the general public? How do you see, yeah, your audience, like how do you see the people that you're communicating with? Yeah, who is it for really, I suppose? Yeah. I feel like as far as an audience goes, I think myself and how I, like, it's weird to say, but like, I think my audience is my younger self. And that's how I like to think about photography is, I mean, or any art is like, would my younger self enjoy this and that person like what would they get out of this and somebody like my younger self how would if they saw this like what would they think about it like as far as like a little native kid that's kind of what i'm talking about would they like understand necessarily what i'm trying to do or how would they feel about the work that is being produced uh, that i make i guess um that's kind of who my audience is and it's great that other people see it and it's cool, but it's not really my concern or what I'm trying to do. And I, I like to distribute things and like show things where, where and wherever possible, either free or low cost and get that, like get some of my like books or like things I made to like actually my actual community and Morley and just show things there or other reserves if I can. Um, yeah, that's kind of my audience, I guess. How, how old are you now, Solomon? <laughs> I am turning 25 in a few days. Okay. Yeah, wow. I was going to say, you probably you look young. Um, I only bring this up because I, I want to ask you this. I mean, how would you define younger? So is it like, what what's different about who you are today and who are you sending a message to? Because uh, I love this idea that essentially you're writing letters to yourself. Uh, um, so it sounds like you've got a sense that your perspective has evolved or something something's changed do you have a definition of what that thing is like uh, otherwise you know there would be no message because you would just be the same person but uh, you know what what is it that's uh, different as you've grown up i mean that's a huge question uh, <laughs> how, how am i different than when i was a younger person uh obviously like age <laughs> obviously like just lived experience of like just being an adult in the world but to like get to a different question that I, you didn't ask but uh <laughs> i think that my younger self if, if i'd like to like well, my younger self could also be like yesterday uh <laughs> like what is different today or like last month or like last year what would they say when they see this work that i'm producing but ultimately it's like like my teenage self and like what would, what, like, what would they think? Like specifically, I don't know, like 14 to 16, like that's specifically like who I'm trying to like target, I guess. And that's just like, I don't know, because obviously very formative years and like kind of like cemented, like obviously formative years cemented like how, how I am today. And like those kind of values I had when I was that age is still carries through, but I have a lot more lived experience. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to find like what, what is different than, than I am now? Would you say, you know, is it a matter of, I don't know, naivety or... I, I find for myself as I get older, I realize that 
everything is much more complex. So when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, even when I was in my 30s and now I'm in my 40s, uh, I mean, it's not necessarily decade by decade, a personal maturity. You know, when I was young, I met 20-year-olds who fucking kind of like seemed to know a little bit better than me the realities of their situation. Um, but I, you know, I was just kind of a, an idiot. And uh, it took a lot of lived experiences for me to realize that I actually don't know a better way to do X, Y, and Z. And so instead, I've got to do something like this, listen to both young artists, older artists, people in and out of the field, because the opinions that I have, let's say about photography, um, they may not be unfounded, but uh, they're very biased because they're within my within my brain. When you're speaking of, you know, let's say a, a teenager or even how you were yesterday or last year, is there a, an emotion? And, and you talk about shooting emotionally. Is there a tone where you're feeling almost like upset? Like, is there a is there a tension in that that you need to warn people, or is it more just about telling your past or the, the youth that? That there's beauty. It's like, is there a, an overarching thing, or is it like project by project? And and as you're doing edits, like different feelings come out. Um, you know what makes this hard is because you you're wanting to shoot em- emotionally. So I'm challenging you to to make it uh, you know rational and formative. Uh, so I apologize, but uh, I don't know. Does that make sense? You know, I, I'm just interested in in that part because uh, it's it's fascinating to me. I've never thought about my work that way. Yeah. Um... Shooting emotionally could mean for me, like, what's that called? I mean, I like, I often am like, I, I don't know. I suffer from PTSD. So sometimes I just feel like super, super anxious and photography kind of calms me down. That's like one thing of like shooting emotionally. It's like, I see this thing, like I close off the world for a second and then all I'm focusing on is what's in my viewfinder. And that could be a flower that could be, a man smoking a cigarette, feeding birds. I don't necessarily share, share everything, but, or it could be like a piece of garbage on the ground, or it could be like a beautiful landscape with a chair that's like thrown on the ground or like a dilapidated chair or something like that. That's kind of like, it's just how I personally am feeling, like my emotions in this exact moment. And then like trying to just either focus on it and think about it deeply while I have this camera to my eye or like, I don't know, I, I, so one picture that really sticks in my mind is like, there's this photo of this kid. It's in the back of that book that I made, which is called like Wahiamba Ozazatapa, which means uh, chasing sunlight or daylight or summer. Very, that's what that means in Nakoda. But um, there's a picture in the end of it where there's this kid sitting on the floor of a gym or uh, something. And there's a door in front of it. And there's like this like party going on. That was like a wedding, but, um, I don't know why, like, it just, like, I felt super emotional for this kid. And I just, like, had to take this photo, like, it was just, like, a random photo I snapped. It wasn't, like, like, I felt a lot after I took the photo, but I I only took one. After I took the photo, I just sat there for a lot, like, stared at this kid until the mom came and picked him up and, like, dragged him away. That was my, one of my nephews, I have so many, but uh, that was, like, a wedding, my, one of my cousin's weddings that I happened to roll by at because it was at a community gym. Um, I was just like walking around the town in Morley because I, I just walk around town whenever I'm there and wander around. They didn't tell me they were getting married, but like I just stumbled into this. <laughs> um, but I saw this kid laying on the, like sitting on the floor and I, I just, you know, I took the photo and then after I felt a lot of emotions about like, 
I don't know, just about being a kid and on the reserve, like this kid has no idea what's going on. He's just a baby. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's like one like emotion that I was feeling, but like, I think that uh, other people, like other kids, like, I mean, I guess it's a universal feeling of just remembering, I guess, family gatherings growing up. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling on here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one image that really like, I remember taking and it had an impact on me. Although, I don't know, some people may look at it and be like, whatever, um, which is cool. Uh, and I also try to, I'm like trying to reject some of the ideas of like street photography where it's like you should be emotionally detached from this image blah 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 like there's like so many like hard hard and fast cutthroat rules about documentary photography which i i'm not interested in or don't care about because i don't know it's like i'm not out here trying to be like a magnum photographer or something like that i don't know i'm just trying to like make photos of my community and like reserves in canada how i see them and i'm not a purist at all like i use digital techniques um I don't usually like modify photos unless it's like really obvious that I like messed up someone's face. Like it's super obvious. Like, I don't know. I, I do, I used to do photo manipulations all the time when I was younger and I, I did one recently, but it's like very obvious. Anyway, that's that. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, it's interesting when you bring up so that the tone uh, with street photography, that in itself seems so colonial this idea of detachment and objectification right i mean i i can't really shoot on the street for the same reason anymore there's just something um i don't know possessive or not necessarily violent but um manipulative a little bit and it sounds like maybe uh what drives you is this uh, i don't know would you say compassion or emotional resonance maybe um you know, it sounds like you want yourself or those interested in your work to be connected to the things that you're connected to, um, w whether you can put words on them or not. Um, and I, I haven't seen, of course, your full uh, body of work. I've seen the event that we happen to be in together at MRU, and I've seen stuff on Instagram, and uh, I've seen your book. But would you say that, is there like an overarching tone when you do edits or, you know, are there sort of moments where you're like, this is a really celebratory moment and this is a moment of naivety and this is a moment of anger or is it, is there actually like a, do you have a position where it's like, you know, fuck you, fuck this or, you know, I, I don't know. I, how do you feel when you go through this? Because it must be, it must be quite a roller coaster. I feel like um, going through a bunch of images because the way you're shooting, I mean. Yeah, so I make most of my, like almost all of the, all of my projects that are sequenced at my grandma's house, which is in the mountains. I go there every summer and I spend some time just drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes. Um, I don't really smoke, but <laughs> sometimes I do. Uh, but I, when I'm at my grandma's house, I smoke. Uh, but I sit there and I look at my catalog, which I've deleted several times. I'm not, I've deleted, yeah, I have deleted several times, um, but like rebuilt it. Um, and I look through 50,000 images and sequence a new sequence every time. And it's, a lot of the images are from like, like when I was like 20 or like, like 19 to 20, 21. I don't, I've, 
I have sequenced, I have like made work with like recent stuff, but like not really. Most of my projects are from that time of like 2015 to 2017. I still shoot all the time though, but uh, maybe in a couple, maybe in like five years, I'll make some work of this, whatever the heck I'm shooting now. I don't even know. I don't really look at it except for like to post on Instagram, like whatever was from that, whatever role I just scanned. And then I just like move on. Maybe I'll make something of it, but um, yeah, like whatever, like, I don't know. It's just like, it's like, it's like a weird puzzle piece in my head when I'm just sitting there at my grandma's house and I'm like, oh, I see this image. And then like collect these images like on Lightroom and then narrow it down to like, this is a new collection of whatever the heck I, that seems like it fits something, some sort of idea. Like I have like lots of folders of like, this could be an idea. Maybe this is like from this, 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 this. And I just like throw it all into like one folder of narrowing down 50,000 images into like a couple hundred and then just narrowing that down narrowing it down until it becomes something and then it really depends on like I guess literally just how I'm feeling and then like and it changes like this last this book that I made it was going to be something completely different I had this sequence of images which is similar to what is in there now but I was just like I don't know I was like feeling like it was missing something. So then I like reached out online to some poets and I, or I did a, like a call out on Instagram of like, if there was any, like anyone who I know that's from like Alberta or like, doesn't really matter. Any like BIPOC people that want to submit poetry to this. And uh, I gave them the sequence of images, which is, was different to like what is now. But um, I asked them if they wanted to, if they if they felt compelled to write something in response to what these images are and then that's kind of how that came about and it was very like very loose like i did not give them any like that's literally as much as i said and that's kind of like how i like to work is just like i don't really like to direct things very strictly because i'm not really i don't know i feel like the world is more the world and its randomness is more creative and more interesting than what i can personally like come up with of like where I want to direct this, if that makes sense. And that's also kind of like how I shoot also. It's like the randomness of like what I see is like more interesting than if I could. And that's why I don't work well in a studio and like not good at illustration of like coming up with ideas. I like to see things happen and like document. Like, I don't know, I'm doing this project right now in Vancouver here and I'll share it because it's it's kind of stupid, but. <laughs> Um, I'm documenting the way people organize garbage. Like there's some like really ornate organization of garbage here. That's like stacked in this beautiful way. Um, and maybe that will be my next project. I don't know. I have a lot of images of the way people stacked garbage in this very beautiful way. It's like sculptures. It's like amazing. So that's like one of my projects is that it's like really kind of dumb, but like I enjoy it and I think it's beautiful the way whatever people are doing here <laughs> in alleys like I'm walking down alley like I've been very interested in walking down alleys and seeing the garbage everywhere I guess wherever I'm still ever city I'm in I walk down alleys a lot and like in industrial areas that's where I gravitate to in cities I don't really gravitate towards populated areas which is like kind of different to like a lot a lot of street photographers do and I'm kind of in, I've been more interested in like the things that people like leave behind um or like things that are, are found. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, uh, there's, of course, that saying, uh, 
one man's trash is another <laughs> man's treasure. But I think it, it, it suits you in the sense of uh, the idea of intuition and spirituality. And, you know, the counter to that is um, like the studio idea of uh, control, right? And, and um manipulation really like uh, i also have trouble in studio and portrait sessions because my instinct is to let's say photograph a client or a person as they are <laughs> and nobody actually wants that you know they, they want, want that. yeah they want how they uh, wish they could be or how they want to be perceived and um you know like i the one thing that i've learned to to be able to tell people is just about posture but i, I don't fuck man like you know it's 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 alien to me to um feel like i know better than a person how they ought to look but uh, i don't mean that in a disrespectful way for people who are very good at that i also like you i mean i don't shoot nearly as much as you do from the sounds of it but i mean just yesterday i took a picture of, of trash because uh it made this like little uh pyramidal structure um and all I'm thinking about, if you ever get this project, is what a great reflection on human nature that might end up being. You know, it's it's like, it's telling you something about the people that live there <laughs> or work there or something. More than what they might wear, how they cross the street. I mean, now I'm, again, I have a lot of tension with what is historically considered street photography at this point. I, I don't know how many crosswalks need to be represented in a photograph anymore, but... Um, yeah, it's it sounds like a spiritual process, really. I mean, I'm using a, that's a, a funny word, might be intimidating, but it it is like to me. It sounds like there's something very emotional about it, which is inspiring. I don't know, it's cool. I I like the idea that photographers should be out taking pictures just because they feel like it. You know? <laughs> I think there is some sort of spirituality to some of the way I work, but I I, I kind of sort of consider myself like a semi-spiritual person, if that makes sense. I grew up around a lot of spirituality and I grew up on a lot of religion. And in my younger years, I, I re like kind of rejected a lot of that stuff. And I was very much like interested in like science and those things, not to say that those things are in opposition to each other, but in some, sometimes they can be. But um, in terms of religion and spirituality, uh, I do appreciate sort of the dedication to that. And I kind of, admire that a lot and I take that in my work is try to be like I don't know it's like a ritual I guess uh like photography it's like I do this every day um I go into my bathroom and I develop like my own film most of the time and uh it takes a lot of time processing and like scanning and like whatever printing and in that way it's like sort of sort of ritualistic to me because it's like it's a lot of time like I don't know <laughs> like dedication to, I guess, analog, not for any particular reason. Like it, I could just shoot digital, there's no reason. Um, but uh, the aspect of going into the, whatever makeshift darkroom I have and spending hours and hours there just processing and digitizing or just, or I sometimes print analog, but that work process, that's also very beneficial to me. And I, that is where I feel like most spiritual, I guess, because it's like I'm doing this ritual that will like if I like requires a certain amount of steps and certain amount of steps and a certain amount of like time. And like you have to kind of do it the same most of the time, like especially for color film, you kind of have to like do it 
um you can't really, there's no room for like creativity as far as like you have to do what the specifications say or else you're gonna i mean it could look cool but i'm not interested in that um i just want it to look normal not color shifted because i messed up the temperatures which sometimes that happens um but uh yeah that, that sort of like dedication and that came from that ultimately comes from like my grandfather of his like dedication to like his animals and uh he was also a, a preacher and pastor he uh, in his younger years worked at a church i guess not worked he didn't get paid but <laughs> he would dedicate himself to a church um there's like a couple in morley and is very much like dedicated to like what he believed in and i i'm not religious in that sense but yeah i very much admire that it sounds uh meditative really and uh... Um, yeah, religious is a funny word, you know, like all English, well, all language, the, when you go too far into semantics and interpretation, every word can be both positive and negative. Uh, so I also, when I hear religion, I can get my back up a bit because, uh, yeah, formulated, biased, <laughs> and often violent opinions come from uh larger religious structures generally because of colonialism but or maybe underpinning colonialism but uh, the term religious can also mean um discipline right and and uh commitment uh i, I was going to ask you but you answered it uh, you know where do you think this comes from and the reason i was going to ask that i have struggled my whole life uh with discipline i'm a very undisciplined person by nature and I'm reading this book. Uh, there's a Japanese writer. He runs marathons, and he wrote a, a memoir, essentially uh, conflating the two. You know um, what it takes to be a long-distance runner, and how he ends up writing novels. And I hear the same thing with you. You know this idea that you seem to be beyond, as a mature 25-year-old, this idea of like intuitive artist. You know the genius of taking a single image and like everybody's like, holy fuck, like. How did you get that? But it sounds like it's a process, which is, uh, for me, much more inspiring. Um, I don't know how you could do that every day. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, thanks. I mean, like you can, like I don't know. It's very easy, I guess, in a, in a way that you, if you just follow steps and like, but it's like you just have to do it every day. Like I don't know. <laughs> it's like uh, it's a long, like a long haul of. Uh, thing to do and uh it gets easier with time because <laughs> you do it every day and uh that's what i'm like i don't know what i don't know what i'm trying to get here but yeah it gets easier with time and i think the the benefits that i receive from it are in the length of time i'm dedicating to it because it's just like just a very steady thing that's always there yeah i don't know one of our sponsors today is ATB. ATB was built to help Alberta businesses from CEBA applications to lending information, debt consolidation loans, or deferrals. Whatever your business is facing right now, ATB is here to help with expert advice. And with today's economy top of mind in business, stay up to date with The Future Of podcast, hosted by ATB's chief economist, Todd Hirsch. To learn more, visit atb.com. So at the end of this first part, I'm mostly struck by reflection about experience. I often think that age itself is enough to claim wisdom, 
or that I ought to be farther than I am, or that it can even be a detriment to have found my passion so late in the game. But Solomon's story reminds me of the fact that it's through perseverance and frankly pain that we find growth. After all, it's pain that is a signal that something is changing, and that we're changing with it. Can I go back and have the same pursuits as Solomon? Of course not. Still, I can be inspired by him to look at the decisions before me now. Am I shying away from the next project for fear of being hurt? Am I telling myself stories about how I need a specific piece of equipment or a degree or some acknowledgement before I can move forward? Am I caught focusing too much on myself and ignoring a community around me? There's a reason why so many of my guests, dare I say all, are so productive and why I'm working so hard to get into their brains. That's kind of the reflection as I round out the end of the interviews that I've taped. Uh, we'll talk about this more next week. Thanks for listening. Do you have an opinion that might surprise people or be otherwise unpopular? An opinion that might surprise people? Uh, I mean, I think I ex expressed a lot of them throughout <laughs> this. Uh, I, think, I think I have some unpopular opinions about photography. <laughs> Uh, give give me one. Give me one un unpopular opinion about photography. <laughs> uh, photography, documentary photography is not objective ever, no matter how hard you try. And the large population of documentary photography is based around like the normal, like the objective view is white man. And that's what people consider as being objective. I guess this is my opinion, but um, that's what I think. And that's a large portion of documentary photography is based around that. That's an unpopular opinion. I think it's true, but um, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And I, I, while you're talking, I was just thinking we'll have to set up round two and just talk about the colonial lens in general, but uh, that gets so specific. We'll, we'll do a panel talk to talk about how we've been represented. <laughs> Become like a, oh man, a revolutionary group.